How many are, how many are open to hearing the Word of God today? Um, I have some notes that I want to refer to because uh, this Tuesday at prayer, uh, the Lord reminded me of something as we were talking, you were there, we were talking uh, some, some things about prayer, and I was reminded of a message I preached years ago. The Lord brought, brought up this message in my heart. Uh, I preached a message called Praying About Your Problems. Praying About Your Problems. Have that recorded, and uh, I'm not going to preach that today. But when he dealt with me about that, I started thinking about it, and, he, and, and what he was trying to minister to me was there's more parts to that. And he was tell, uh, helping me see that there's, there's really only a few different things that people pray for. One of the things that you pray for is you pray about your problems. You pray when, when difficulties come. I'm going to know you have to navigate through those difficulties. Uh, when the TV starts to break, it's time to pray. <laughs> right? Is TV so, my, my, my kids would say that's called first world problems. You know, your TV broke, it's time to pray. Uh, I know there's people who don't have food. That, that's a bigger issue. We understand that. But uh, when, when something breaks, when something goes wrong, you, why do you pray? To hear from God, to know what to do. Well, I started to think about this. What are other things that, that people pray for? Or what are other things that we pray about? And I could only come up with a couple. Because these are big categories. Things that are not right, problems, that's one big category that you'd want to deal with in prayer. Uh, another, another one would be uh, maybe not problems, but things that concern either your life or the plan of God. How many know that's, that's something that ought to be a focus in our, in our weekly prayer group? That is really the focus of it is God's plan for the earth and then our place in that plan. Right? So one thing, one thing you'd be praying about, you'd be praying about your problems. Another thing you'd be praying about, you'd be praying out the plan of God. But then this third thing is what I want to deal with today, and, and I believe uh, maybe we'll get, it, get to most of it today, maybe we won't. And, and then I'm going to at some point, hopefully, minister on praying out the plan of God and t- talk some things about that, because I believe this is a series the Lord wants me to put together and and we'll get it published and all that. But today I want to talk about the other thing that I thought that, that we pray for. Matter of fact, I might, I might just let you uh, come up with, with, the, with that today. You have praying, out, praying about your problems. You pray out the plan of God. What, are, what else or, or what is another big thing that you can think of that you pray for? Bingo. The, the only other big thing that I could think of is what, what do we pray for? Praying for other people. Can you say amen today? Amen. amen. It just lets me know that there's, there's somebody here. Praise the Lord. So, so you have praying about your problems, praying out the plan of God, which we'll minister at some point, and then praying for other people. Now, this is one of the biggest areas of prayer, is it not? And the thing about it is, it's possible to spend a, a fair amount of time in prayer, praying for one of these different categories that we talked about. Um, and really, a bad thing for a believer is just to be prayerless and not pray at all, right? But, but beyond that, it's also not good to be praying, but not praying effectively. Not all prayer is effective prayer, you understand? And so when it comes to praying for other people, a lot of times we jump into these things without any instruction. 
and really you end up, you end up not being as effective, as, effective rather, as, as we could be. So there's guidelines for cooperating with God in prayer. And where do you think those guidelines might be listed? <laughs> Probably in his word. Now what would, be, what would be the difference between praying effectively and praying ineffectively? What would be the difference? One, you're going to get better results. I don't know about you, but the, the older I've gotten, the, the less time I have to do things that are just spinning my wheels, you know? I, I, you, you want everything to do, that you do to be effective. And so when it comes to praying for other people, I think what we do in the body of Christ a lot of times is just really do just what everybody else does. How do you pray for other people? Well, Lord, bless so-and-so. Bless them. <laughs> That's one way. God, help them. If they're lost, what do you pray? Lord, save them. If they're sick, what do you pray? God, heal them. If, if they have financial needs, God, help somebody else to help them. <laughs> Use somebody that's not me to help. You know what I mean? I'm joking. You, 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 we pray in, in a general sense, but how effective are those prayers? So let me ask you this. How scriptural are those prayers? How scriptural is that? Let's start with the first one. Lord, bless them. I read in my Bible, and, and, and maybe that's the problem. Some people just don't read in their Bible. But I read in my Bible in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3, that he's blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. Right? Over in 2 Peter 1, it says he's given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. And so we're saying, God, do something. But in his word, we find out, if you, really, if you study his word, read his word, you find out really that he's already done what you're asking them to do. Well, let's talk about Lord heal them. Lord heal so-and-so. Well, I, that's a, that, that, now don't misunderstand me. Every one of these prayers can be prayed from a good heart with good motives. And God sees the heart. And if you don't say things just right with your mouth, he understands and looks at the heart and he'll respond as though you said it right. You understand? But right on the other hand, if you want to be more effective, let's learn to cooperate with him in prayer. Let's talk about this. God, heal him. What do you want him to do? Now, actually, before we say God, heal him, let's talk about God, save him. I, I remember the story that uh, Brother Hagin, uh, who we uh, were blessed to be under his ministry for many years and still feed on his materials quite often. Um, Brother Hagin had an uncle Uncle Larry, and uh, a, lot of, a lot of other people in the family had been saved, but Uncle Larry was a rascal, you know, and uh, matter of fact, he got sick he, and different things, and uh, Brother Hagen was driving down the street, and he saw this guy, and he said, now this is good Texas talk, how they talk in Texas talk, he said, that walks like Uncle Larry, <laughs> looking at him, meaning that the way that guy's walking looks like Uncle Larry walks, he said, but that can't be because because he's lost so, you know, he's, he's different weight and stuff like that. And he looked and he said, sure enough, that is Uncle Larry. And I'd heard he'd been sick and wasn't doing good. And, and his whole life had been just, just kind of a wreck, different things, his family. So he, he's in desperation as he's driving in the car. He said, oh, God, save Uncle Larry. And he said, the spirit spoke back to him and said, that's what I'm trying to do. 
So when you pray, God save so-and-so, what really, what are you asking him to do? What's he supposed to do in response to a prayer like that? God save, save somebody. And, and, and I'm not belittling, again, our prayers because uh, we, all of us have loved ones. All of us have friends that need Christ. God save them. Well, how would he? How would he? You have to go to the Word to find the answer to that. He, he, he does not have the ability to indiscriminately drop salvation on somebody. It doesn't work that way. He, sent, he did do something in response to the, to the need of humanity and the cry of humanity. He sent Jesus. Jesus died to make salvation available to every person. So there is actually, and we'll get to it, there is actually a way that you can pray effectively for the lost. But it's not God save Uncle Larry. <laughs> and so much, so much of the, and then, you know, talk about healing. Oh, God heals so-and-so. Well, I understand. I mean, sickness and disease, horrible thing. And, and uh, we need God involved in whether the doctors can help, whether the doctors can't help. We need God involved in stuff. A lot of times we say, well, if God doesn't undertake for us, <laughs> we're in trouble. You, but you've got to understand, God's already undertooken, undertaken, under, <laughs> whatever he did. He, he's already done something, just like he's already done something about salvation. When Jesus died for sin, he died for sickness and disease. So when you say God heals so-and-so, a lot of times we have the idea of, uh, of God up in heaven with a pile of requests and he says, okay, just put yours in the pile and put your request up there in the pile and I'll get through all these papers and all through all these requests and we'll eventually get to your situation if they don't die first. That's a lot of times the mentality that we have, but that's a wrong mentality. That's an unscriptural mentality. In one sense, God's made, uh, well, really, in, in, the, in the strongest sense, God's made healing available to everybody already. He's already blessed us. He's already healed us. He's already delivered us. So the prayer that, that says, in essence, God, do it, isn't the most effective prayer. But how are most people praying when they pray for other people? God, do something. Do something. Do something. I can't live with this person any longer like this. I, can't, I just can't deal with him any longer. God, do something. Do something. Turn them over to Satan for the destruction of the flesh. <laughs> Get them out, whatever it is. I hope you're not praying that about your spouse. Praise the Lord. Amen. So, really, there's two kinds of people that we can be praying for. There, there, because there's only two spiritual conditions in the world. There's people who are saved. There's people who are unsaved. And both of them have problems. Both of them have, both of them, uh, have things happen to where they need prayer. Right? And in some cases, you can pray the same way. But you, you must understand this for the lost person. If a lost person, and sometimes they'll know you're a believer. And when, when, uh, when circumstances, as we say, hit the fan for them, some, they don't know how to pray themselves. And they think you do. So they may come to you and say, uh, man, I got this situation. Can you pray for me? But that's your opportunity to understand that the greatest need that they have is not their circumstance. The, the, the biggest issue is not their, their situation. The biggest issue is their condition, oh, their spiritual condition. 
and that's, that's often an opportunity to say, well, yes, I will pray for you, and, and go ahead and pray for them. But you can also say at that point, hey, let's talk about how you can know God for yourself, how you can learn to pray for yourself and get your own answers. Amen. Amen. And do that. Amen. So there's two kinds of people you can pray for again, saved people, lost people. And there's two ways you can pray for them, with them or without them. In other words, you can, you can actually pray with a person physically present. Or what most people want is for you to just take your precious time to get on your knees. Uh, I remember when I pastored for the, for the years that I did. And, I mean, it was all pastor pray for me. Like I, like I have nothing to do all week long. But, but be taking care of spiritual business on your behalf because you don't want to grow and take care of any business yourself. Ah, okay, I understand that. And, uh, but, but again, that this is misconceptions that many Christians have uh, regarding prayer. Now, if you want to be effective in praying for other people, you know what you need to do? You need to learn to pray yourself. You need to learn, you need to develop a prayer life. If you want to be effective praying for others, you need to be effective praying for you. You need to be effective uh, knowing God. Amen. The more time you spend talking with the Lord and and feeding on His Word, the better you'll come to know Him. You know one of the ways you can tell how well a person knows God? Listen to them pray. Have you ever heard somebody pray and, and you feel like they don't really know who they're talking to? You ever heard that? Do you know why they pray like they don't know who they're talking to? Because they don't really know who they're talking to. How do you get to know somebody really, really well? You got to spend time with them one-on-one. You'll get to know them well. If you'll spend time with God one-on-one. Amen. You see, what, what kind of spiritual life you have depends wholly on what you do when nobody else is looking. Amen. How much of your energy and time is just absorbed in browsing the internet and doing this and doing that and natural stuff, looking at sports statistics and, and thinking about your fantasy league for next year or, or thinking about, you know, just shopping for shoes and stuff and, or whatever it is that you, that you do. You know, different folk do different stuff. But if you'll spend time with God, it will be reflected on the outside. And have you ever heard, in contrast, have you ever heard somebody pray and you've gone, oh, Oh, I don't pray like that. They pray like they really know who they're talking to. That should be, every believer should be able to do that and should do that. So turn with me this morning to the ninth chapter of Matthew, if you would. Hallelujah. We're talking about this morning praying for other people. What things do Christians pray for? There's not a whole lot. You pray, for, you pray about your problems, pray about yourself, you pray out the plan of God, and then you pray for other people. Amen. Matthew chapter 9. Now, here's, uh, here's especially talking about how to pray for people who aren't yet believers, who are not yet saved. We call them, we'd, they wouldn't call themselves lost. We'd call them lost because the Bible does. And so Matthew 9 is a great passage. Starting in the 36th verse, if you would, it says, When he, talking about Jesus, it said, When he saw the crowds, notice this, he had compassion for them. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that wonderful? Why did he have compassion? Because they were harassed and helpless 
like sheep without a shepherd. So Jesus saw crowds of people and they might not have felt like they were harassed and helpless. They might not have felt like they were sheep without a shepherd, but the clarity that Jesus had when he was here on the earth ministering, he could see. He could see they, they can't do anything about their condition without help. They need help. They need God or they're going to go through life being harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Well, this is interesting right here. It's not my subject necessarily, but that word shepherd's the same Greek word translated pastor. Instead of saying sheep without a shepherd, we could say people without a pastor. So yes, this applies to the lost, but you know, it's, it's, it talks about sheep. Christians or believers are called sheep. Uh, so a believer without a pastor is going to be harassed and helpless. It is such a deception, it is such a lie to believe that, well, I'm saved, I've received Christ, I don't really need the local church, I don't really need a pastor. That's fine, nobody's forcing you to come, we understand that, and, and, and you know, just look around, obviously a lot of people believe that. Um, but the Bible says, the Bible says you will be harassed and helpless, you will give out, you will faint, you won't make it, and, and I don't need to be a prophet to tell you. I just need to be able to read the Bible to tell somebody that if you are not regular in church, meaning, you know, you rarely miss, if you're, if you're hit and miss, I can just tell you your life is not nearly going to be the success that God has for you. Not even close. So it goes on. What, what was the answer for this? These crowds that Jesus saw goes on in this next verse. It says, then he, dis, then he said to his disciple, the harvest. So he called that large crowd of people that he, that he saw, he called them the harvest. The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. In other words, there's not a whole lot of people that know how to help the harvest come in. There's not a whole lot of people that know how to go to a lost person and say, let me show you where your shepherd is. Let me show you, let me, let me first introduce you to the great shepherd, Jesus, and then let me help you find your place of feeding. And so what was the answer? Are we just supposed to be depressed because the harvest is great and the laborers are few? No, the next verse, he tells us what to do. Therefore, pray. Pray earnestly. Pray earnestly. What does it mean to pray? You're talking to God. Pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. And so we see here one of the, one of the Bible instructions, if you want to pray for others effectively, especially those who are lost or those who are saved but are getting beat up because they're not in local church, amen, one of the ways you pray for them is for the Lord to send laborers. Now somebody tell me what a laborer is. If, if, uh, if, if a, a certain business is, try, is hiring laborers, what are they, hire, what are they looking for? Not, yeah, and not just workers, but every business requires different what? Just, if you're going to work in, a, in this business as opposed to that business, let's just say your business, if, uh, if you, if you, where you work, if they were going to hire somebody to work in the bay next to you, they're looking for, for not just a person, but a person with what? Skills. Skills, thank you. So a laborer is a skilled worker. So what's the Lord, what do we need? We need people with spiritual skill to be able to do the work of the Lord. Amen. Amen. And Jesus said there's, there, there's, not, there's not an overabundance of people that have spiritual skill. 
Skill has to be developed in every area, including spiritually. And so he said, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. So how are you praying for the people that you care about? Are there any people that you care about other than you? <laughs> There's a whole lot of people who just care about themselves. Me, my problems, my needs. I've learned this. If you want your needs to be met, the, the, the best way to do it is get your mind off of you and your needs and start ministering the things of God to other people. Amen. Amen. I mean, I know somebody who uh, they and their, I think it was one of the kids in their family was diagnosed with a serious, serious disease. And they said this thing, um, you know, they, they had gone and, and gotten some good instruction about healing but they said, this thing was consuming our family, meaning it was our total focus. And we decided we're not going to just let this thing consume us. So what they did was they started like a, they started like a little home group for anybody else who, who needed it. And they started ministering the healing that they needed in their family. They started ministering it to other people, teaching, the, teaching what they had learned about healing to other people. Got their, got their mind and their focus off their own need, and their own need was met. As they started ministering things out, to, why is that? Because when things go out of you, it's the same capacity to, by which you receive things into your life. Praise the Lord. That, that didn't have anything to do with my message either, but it was, there's, again, there's no charge for any of it. Hallelujah. Pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out workers. So a lot of times what you're praying when you're praying for those who are, have lost their way, Father, send somebody to them that can help them. Send, send somebody to them that they will respond to and they will listen to. How many have ever found out that, especially with family, a lot of times they won't listen to you? But there's someone they will listen to. I share the story sometimes about my younger brother. Uh, he, he was the last one. Well, I'm not sure if it was him or my dad. Everybody in my family ended up coming to Christ. My dad on his deathbed when he was 87 years old. But uh, how many know in is in, you know? And uh, I was the first one to be saved. Several years later, my mom received Christ. Then um, I think it was, no, then my brother was next. My dad was last. My brother was next because he, I remember the house we were living in, and he actually called me from where he was living, and I got to lead him to the Lord. But, uh, you know, I shared Christ with him. And he didn't much want to hear it. He kind of felt like I was a bit of a traitor because we were raised in the Jewish faith, you know. So he kind of felt, and, and maybe rightly so, that, that I had abandoned uh, what, I'd, what, what had been given to me. And, and of course, that's not the case because uh, Jesus was a Jew. Everybody he ministered to uh, on earth was a Jew. And the gospel went to everybody else later. But uh, how can you abandon? Uh, all, all we did was get what was promised to us as Jews. So we didn't abandon anything except tradition without truth. Relation, religion without relationship. No, we got the real thing by receiving Christ. And so, uh, but what we did with my brother, we, we'd say, Lord, he's not listening to me, but as, as he's going now into college, because he was a couple years behind me, I got saved right when I got into college. He's, so, we, so we prayed, God, send people to him that he would listen to that could be a witness for you. Do you know every single one of his roommates all through college, every single one was born again and on fire for God? Every single one of them. God answers 
prayer when it's scriptural, it, when, when, it's, when you're cooperating with his instructions. See, we did that right there. Amen. God save Uncle Larry. Well, Brother Hagin finally, finally found a more scriptural way to pray. And Uncle Larry ended up get, uh, getting saved. Amen. So this is one way, not the only way, but this is one way that we can effectively pray is to pray and ask God to send laborers. Um, and here's one thing that you have to remember. When you pray and, and ask God to send somebody, you might be the one he's trying to send. Now, in some cases, you might not be. Like, if, if, if you're not physically in the same uh, location or whatever, he might have to send somebody else. But, and what if somebody else is praying for people that you contact in your life? You know, what, what's, what's amazing, as my wife and I were talking about it the other night, is the people who prayed for us because laborers came to, I know, I mean, I was, like I said, I was a Jew. I wasn't interested. If you mentioned Jesus, uh, Jesus was very much a part of my vocabulary. He was one of my favorite cuss words. Yeah. You know, I learned that from my mom, actually. She, she, she'd be driving. Somebody, somebody would come cut in front of her. She'd go, oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> and I picked that up. And so, Jesus, you know, Jesus was, was a cuss word to me. He wasn't Lord. But God sent a lab God sent somebody, but who was praying for me? Who was so who was praying for you? Huh? You won't know right now. You probably know later on when you get to heaven and you'll get to meet and see some of those who I mean I found out that I had an aunt who who, who uh, right when I was born took me and dedicated me to the Lord just because because she was she was a believer, an aunt of mine. Didn't tell my parents. She told me later. So, you know, I know, I know a little bit of who might have been praying for me all along. Amen. And you might find out that the people that were praying for you were not the most spiritual people around. But they knew enough. They knew enough to lift you up. Amen. Talking about praying for other people, is this okay today? Hallelujah. Somebody say praise the Lord. There, there can be in your life and in the life of those that, that you know, there can be what we call divine appointments and divine connections occurring all the time. What we mean, divinely orchestrated things that are all the time happening. But it can't happen unless somebody prays and prays effectively. Here's one way, we just talked about one way to pray effectively. Pray for God to send out laborers. Now you understand in one sense this verse has been fulfilled because if you actually, if you read in Matthew chapter 10, this is the end of chapter 9, the, the next thing that they, I imagine they, they turned to him right there and said, well, Lord, send out the laborers because the, in chapter 10, you know what he did? He sent them out two by two. Amen. And then uh, Matthew 28, the Great Commission, he, he told all of us, go. So in one sense, the laborers have been sent. You understand that. But right in another sense, for specific situations, for specific people, we still, there's still things where, Father, that person needs help. Send the one to them. Bring the, bring the one person by their path. Orchestrate connections to where they can listen. But, uh, but what good is it for you to pray for a laborer to go to somebody else if you're not willing to be a laborer for another person that might be praying for somebody and you come across their path, but when God deals with you, 
talk to that one about the Lord. You say, no, I don't do that. I just, you know, that's not my ministry. We can't do that, can we? How many are available for God to use you? Amen. Amen. So, <clears throat> praise the Lord. Let's look at another scripture if we can. I have about four passages. I don't think we'll get to them all, but we'll, let's go to James chapter 5. Talking today about praying for others. You know, prayer is essential for many reasons, is it not? Hello? Hello? Um, <laughs> but it's a, it's a subject through which people can fall into error and extremes very, very easily. And one of the big errors is, is what we've already kind of talked about a little bit. The whole idea that I'm going to pray until God does something. And because it has the, the wrong idea that God is up in heaven saying, I'm not moving until you pray more. I'm not moving until you've prayed this much. And then maybe you'll get me up to do something. Uh, because people think of God kind of like they think of their teenager who's on the couch playing video games. And they say, take out the trash. And what does the teenager do? Puts that game on pause, jumps right up, goes to get the trash can. No, no, that's not what that teenager tries to do. It's not what he tries to do. What's he try to do? He says, oh yeah, yeah, I'll do it. Doesn't even remember, doesn't, didn't even really hear what was said. Just answer, well, forget teenagers, husbands. Do the same thing, hello. They say, oh yeah, yeah, I'll do it. And the wife says to herself, he didn't even hear what I said to her. You might say, Brother Joel, how do you know that that's the way it works. I've heard that that's the way some guys are. No, I, I don't know this by personal experience at all. Although there are many times when my wife talks to me about something and, and uh, I say, we've never talked about that. And she says, oh yes, we did. You weren't listening. I don't know if she's right or not, but uh, because I really don't remember. Amen. So the whole idea of, but I'm going to pray until God moves. Do you know that prayer moves us more than it moves God? Prayer moves us into position for things more than it moves God to do something. Because like I said, most of what people pray for, God's already done for them. Amen. And so here's a passage in, uh, in James chapter 5 that talks about praying for other people. Uh, also talks about praying yourself. Amen. It says in verse 13, Is anyone among you suffering? Notice this, what's it say? Let him pray. You're going through, what's suffering? That means you're going through some un- uncomfortable circumstances. Again, we already, uh, I ministered a previous time that, uh, not today, about praying for your problems, but that would be included there, among you suffering. Let him pray. You're supposed to do your own praying to the degree that you can do your own praying. Is any among you happy? Are you cheerful? What are you supposed to do? Let who? Let who? Let him sing praise. I loved when Brother Hagin made this illustration. He said to come to somebody else and say, will you pray for my needs? He said, if you're going to do that, then you should come and say, I'm happy you sing. (laughs) Hey, I'm happy today. Do you mind to sing a little bit on my behalf? See, see, we have the idea in the body of Christ, and we're talking about praying for other people because the Bible does talk about that. We're going to see when, when to do that. 
But really, the emphasis of Scripture is for the believer to learn how to do their own praying, take their own responsibility. And, and so many people don't believe that they can pray as effectively as the pastor can pray. Well, if they, if they can't pray as effectively as the pastor, it could mean that the pastor's been doing it longer, understands more of the Word, and that might be the case. We understand that, but really people just have the wrong idea that, well, God doesn't hear me the way He'll hear Him. That's not true. That's not true. Uh, you know, famous preachers, somebody like Billy Graham. Oh, if Billy Graham could just pray for me, then I'd get my answer. No, 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 no. If you would just learn to pray effectively, know that if you're in God's family, God hears you already. So anyhow, it goes on. Is any, is any among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. And then James 5.14, is, any is anyone among you sick? Well, that's a pretty interesting question to ask. Most people in the body of Christ are sick. But they had such a revelation of healing and divine health that they had to ask, is anyone among you sick? Is there anybody? I, I go to some churches where they've, where they've, you know, just been taught these things over and over, and the church might be full of people. And, and you might ask, is there anybody here who needs healing? And 75% and of the people come forward. Well, you're not doing your part. But this says, look, look what this says. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. Now you might say, well, that contradicts the previous verses where it said, let him pray. But when it's, when it's the Greek word here translated sick actually means beyond being able to help yourself. Meaning you're not, you're not sick with a hangnail, you know what I mean? Or a foot fungus. But you're talking about something that's, that's made you to where you're, you're spiritually not able to carry the weight and you need assistance. Yeah. And then, so in other words, serious sick. And if you are, by all means, call. Get some, get some folk to help and let them pray. Anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord goes on to say, and the prayer of faith, the faith prayer, will save or raise up the one who's sick. The Lord will raise him up, and if he's committed sins, he will be forgiven. Praise the Lord. There's a lot we could say here. We don't have time for that. But uh, then the next verse says, therefore, confess your sins one to another. Now, why would you do that? Uh, that's not talking about going before the priest and saying, forgive me, Father, I had an impure thought. Right. Right. Amen. No, why would you confess your sins to one another if you've wronged one another? If, you, if your sin has wronged another person, go to that person. Confess, not just that you did it, they already know that you did it. Confess that it was wrong. Get free from it. And then pray for one another that you may be healed. And it says the prayer of a righteous person has what? Great power as it is working. So this tells us this. So this, this actually teaches, pray one for another that you may be healed. But notice, uh, see, we, we get the idea, if you just read that sentence, you'd have the idea, okay, uh, we're supposed to pray for one another that you may be healed. So God, heal so-and-so. See, we're back to putting our own thoughts on it. But do you know the purpose of the prayer for the sick person? What's the purpose for it? Great power. 
The prayer of a righteous person has great power. What the purpose of prayer, where the sick is concerned, is to make power available. The purpose of prayer for the lost, for the lost person, to have laborers sent. See, see how the Bible addresses things differently than our natural thinking. You want to be effective in prayer? Learn to cooperate with God and pray scripturally. So how do you, how do you make power available? And, and how do you pray for somebody who's sick and make power available? One way you can do that is to pray in other tongues, but then also it talks about the prayer of faith, raising that person up. Amen. And so you want, you want your prayer to, you, you want to give prayer to things to make the power available, to make it easy for that individual to receive. Amen. Where prayer is concerned, prayer is not for the purpose of getting God to do things as much as it is getting us in a place to be able to receive things. Prayer is for us to receive, not for Him to do why? Because if, with almost every need you and I could have, he's already made provision for it. Amen. God, do something about my broken TV. <laughs> well, just follow, his, just follow his spirit. I didn't have to get God to do something. I just, I just received and followed the leadings that he was giving me. Yeah, Amen. Praise the Lord. So there's a lot more we can say about this. And um, if I keep going now, I'll, I'll go into my second sermon for the day or third, however you want to classify it. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to stop right now. But before we stop, let's just stand up and let's put into practice a little bit of what we've learned today. Yeah. Praise the Lord. Now, there's, now, really, I want to get to how do you, uh, who does the Bible tell us to pray for specifically. There's things we want to talk about that. And then uh, what is some of the most effective ways to pray for anybody according to the Word. We still want to talk about that, but that will have to be another week. Hopefully next week we'll, we'll get to minister that to you. But for right now, just close your eyes and, and, and pray this after me. Let your heart agree with it. Father God, thank you so much for the privilege of prayer. And thank you for your instructions in prayer. And Father, right now, in obedience to your word, we ask you, in a general sense, send laborers into the harvest fields, in the body of Christ, in the world, to reap your harvest. Thank you, Father, for workers skilled workers. Thank you, Father, for those in the fivefold ministry. The prophet, the apostle, the evangelist, the pastor and teacher. Those are laborers. And Father, we thank you for raising those up and sending those forth as workers in your harvest. But Father, we also recognize that each of us individually whether called to a ministry place or not, we're also laborers. We're also workers. So, Father, we just say, here am I. Send me into your harvest. Use me 
in your work, and I thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, what was that? We just did that as an exercise, as an example of how to pray effectively, how to pray scripturally. These are not the only ways, but just examples, samples, if you will, of certain ways you can pray that is in line with the Word of God. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Do you believe He heard us? Yes. Amen. One of the things we pray for all the time, my wife and I, we're led, specifically led to pray for the ministry offices and for them to be uh, prominent in the earth. Well, what scripture do we have for that? Je- uh, Matthew chapter 9. Pray, they're, they're laborers sent forth into the harvest. Praise the Lord. Hope you got something out of this today, did you? Amen. This is a little, little different, I understand, but it's, uh, but it's basic stuff, and it's important stuff. And so we'll get back with this maybe next week or whenever I'm allowed to be here again. I don't know, I might have to send my wife on vacation again to do it, but we'll see. But bless you for today, and, and you are dismissed for now.